Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Doug, I have a story. Oh, can't wait to hear story it. to start us off. Let's hear it. And there might be a Doug's Did You Know This episode I heard from a little bird. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there must be then. <laughs> um, not a great story, but a decent story. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear it. Uh, my dad came to visit this weekend. Uh-huh. It was also the Food Revolution Summit that I sent a couple emails about. Yep. A uh, bunch of free things. It's over now, so you can't do it. Actually, there is, there is going to be an encore weekend, May, I think, 13th through 15th or something. So pay attention to me during that period. You'll probably get it. Attention to you? Yes, and I'll send you an email link to it. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so get on the Nomad Athlete email list if you're not on that. Um, but anyway, so he was listening to that. We we had this hour long car ride with him because he wanted to go see his friend out in North Carolina, kind of lives an hour away from here. Um, but in that car, so he's, he's been having some heart problems recently. So oh. we queued up a Dr. Furman interview. It was sort of a trap. He was in the car and we put this thing on because what I've, and this is a really true thing I've discovered, uh, is that family members, they won't listen to other family members about going vegan or vegetarian, but they will listen to other people who aren't in the family. And it doesn't matter how, you know, I could be a medical doctor and family members just aren't going to listen to me because they'd be like, well, that's just mad. He doesn't really know, (laughs) but they'll listen to somebody else. And they'll be excited. So my dad is now a huge Dr. Furman fan. Wow. He wants to change his whole diet, upgrade really? it. He's, he's been like paleo kind of guy the whole time. Finally has come around. I think, you know, I think he started having some health problems. And then, you know, some diets just start to seem more appealing. Things that might be the solution start to seem more appealing. So if he'd always been vegan, maybe now paleo would, would seem appealing. Who knows? But, you, you know, it, the time was right. Um, so I sent him a copy. I just... He he left yesterday, and I sent had Amazon send him a copy of the Blue Zones, which is my favorite book. And the tie-in with our episode is that at the end of this year, I I or end of last year, I wrote an email about my favorite books from the year. Yep. The one that we're discussing today was one of them. The other one was the Blue Zones, and then there was one more. Um, but but I sent him the Blue Zones book, and I texted him and said, "Amazon's going to be sending you this. It's it's the Blue Zones and the Blue Zone Solution, which is their meal plan type thing." And I I really like it. I think it's because he was the Doctor Furman is is pretty far down the road. Like that that's hard to follow Doctor Furman plan. Is he no oil? Yes, completely yeah. no oil. Mm-hmm. Very low salt. Tells you not to drink alcohol or caffeine. It, I mean, it's hardcore. You know, bollocks. <laughs> yes, right. As Doug drinks his dynamite coffee. <laughs> um. So I, I just, you know, knowing what I now know about habit stuff, I, I feel like it's just, I just don't like people diving into stuff like that. Uh, I don't know my dad, and I just think much better would be something like the Blue Zones, where they do have some oil still. Even now and then they have animal products, because it's about what these different cultures each uh, eat, and some part of it is is animal products. So I sent him this book, and the title was coming, and he wrote back, does it have anything to do with Joel Furman? So... He's a Joe Furman fan now, just like that's I am. That's great. That's which, awesome. Which is really good, because if there was one vegan doctor I would like him to be a fan of, that's probably That it. would be the one? Yep. He's the guy who I tend to follow. I like Gregor a lot, too. But um, it's just... I mean, I, I reviewed Furman's book a long time ago, Super Immunity, and wrote in there, like, this is the book I would like my parents to read. And this was, like, two or three years ago now. Uh-huh. And I've mentioned Furman a thousand times, but... Uh, it took one. It just it took takes a talk, one yeah. good interview from the from the Food Revolution Summit. So he, well, I take it. I take it then that your dad doesn't listen to the podcast. 
He hasn't heard your your. Dr. I think Furman. he has, but it's like I said, you just don't listen to ah, to me. Right, you got you got to right. hear the guy. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should have had Furman on the podcast, and and uh, maybe that would have worked. I thought we did have Furman. That's how I thought <laughs> no, that. No, up. No, no, no. <laughs> we haven't had Joe Furman on the podcast. We've I've mentioned him a thousand times. We had Dr. Gregor on. Yeah, right. Um, no. Good job, producer. Doug. <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> cut that part out. Right, you can leave it. Leave okay. it in there. That's right. funny. Sorry, guys. Give the nice people something funny. <laughs> so um, that so the tie-in is what we're talking about today. We've been talking a lot, I think, about similar topics. It feels like we've talked about goal setting a thousand times in the past three weeks, and we've talked about eating and eating simply and the same thing. So we wanted to just go a little bit different this time people we have found from listener feedback from your feedback that people like hearing about other stuff <laughs> they like it better when we don't talk about running <laughs> right. or nutrition right <laughs> so maybe we should start a different podcast it's just all about that um people have responded well to when we like habits episodes and morning routines and all that stuff. so this one is a little bit different not maybe you said that there are some tie-ins for you with running mm-hmm. um but anyway, let's just say what it is. So we each have read recently um, Marie Kondo's book. Is that how you pronounce her name? The sure. Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Yep. I read it at the end of 2015 and then spent four days in the beginning of January, like literally the first through the fourth, I think, uh, just decluttering a massive amount of stuff got thrown away from my house. And I had already considered myself pretty minimal. You know, I'd, I'd been through four moves in the past four years, and every time you unload a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, though, this was the big one for me. You have recently read the same thing, you and Katie, right? Yep. So, so it started out with Katie. I, you know, I really you mentioned it and you talked about how great it was, and I was, you know, I was kind of interested in it, but had no motivation to read it really myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Katie got it for our trip to California, and and read through it, and she just got so excited about it. I, even when she got it, I wasn't really interested. But she got so excited about it that she wanted to do it. And then I was like, well, if we're going to do it, then I better know what's going on. Um, and it has been it has been really cool. Life-changing. Life-changing. It's magical. magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the thing for me that, that got me to read the book was the line, because she has now another book out, a follow-up, naturally. Because the life-changing magic was a number one New York Times bestseller, which mm-hmm. is always intriguing when a book hits number one. I mean, that's that's pretty, you know, epic success of a book and that has swept the nation i would say no mean athlete hit number one didn't it no <laughs> yes oh. of course it did. uh yeah it made that whole list <laughs> um i don't know i get intrigued by the number one bestsellers hey but but you know it did hit number one forks over knives cookbook published by the experiment who is the new publisher of the new no mean athlete cookbook uh, thing there you go out. so yeah basically we hit number one <laughs> you could say that um but anyway, she she wrote a follow-up called Spark Joy, and I think that's more illustrated. Um, I don't know. The, the first one came out in 2014. This one's come out more recently. But anyway, the, the Spark Joy reference is to a line in the book or to an instruction in the book that says your, your kind of criterion when you, when you hold an object in your hands. Because she, she wants you to get rid of a lot of stuff. It's not just tidying your stuff up. It's mostly clearing out tons of stuff you don't need. Yeah. But... It's not quite minimalism because I feel like minimalism, it's like every object you have is another strike against you. And people keep these lists of fifty, the 50 things they have or the 100 things they have. And I think that's cool and it used to make me really excited. But then just the reality of having kids, that became stressful to me. And it became this thing where I was resenting the kids and my wife for like having all this stuff. And it was like I wanted us to just have this 
hundred things each or something. And I, I gave up on that really quickly. But this one, the criteria for deciding if you should keep something is first of all, you actually hold it in your hands. You, you put yourself in a big pile, you pick up each shirt or each book and you say, does this item spark joy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Does this, does this spark joy in my life just to have this item? And if it does, then you don't need any more reason to keep it, right? Like if it adds joy to your life just to have this this book on your shelf, which is a much, much different thing from I feel sort of guilty about getting rid of this or there's some sentimental value attached and I just can't get myself to get rid of that. That's different from this this object sparks joy when I look up and see it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's how you decided to keep something. Yeah, and, and, well, go ahead. And I just think that that to me is the big difference. That made this whole thing, like gave me this renewed enthusiasm about going and decluttering and getting rid of stuff because suddenly I didn't have to feel bad about hanging on to stuff that I really liked. It was like, now I had a reason, but I had to be deliberate and go through everything and actually make the choice. Yeah. And see, that wasn't motivating to me at all. That, for some reason, it, it sounded cheesy and... and uh, you I can know, see that. And I, and I think of things as... or and, I'll, uh, and a lot of times, I think of things as being more practical and, and bringing me joy. Um, and she does talk about that a little bit with, like, bills and papers and stuff like that. But... Um, you, uh, it, for some reason, that just uh, that that part wasn't appealing to me at all. But when Katie finally convinced me to to do this, um, what has been what really has been magical, what has been life changing, or or I don't know, uh, really, I mean, I I would say that it has. I've, I'm, I haven't been this excited about Uh-oh. something in a long time, uh, but non running uh, or podcast related, <laughs> right, of course, um, is just the. The idea of 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 bringing all of so what she tells you to do is bring all the things in that category uh, together in one place. So all your shirts or all your running shoes or all of your um, your books and put them all in one place and go through them all at the same time. So instead of going room by room or shelf by shelf, right. you're bringing all the category together and going through it like that. Um, and it it, had, it blew my mind how much things I had that were spread out that I didn't feel like were cluttered that I didn't feel like um, I had that many shirts but you know when they're in different closets and when they're um, right. kind of in the in the shelves or in the closet or whatever and you bring them all together and you're like wow I really don't need all these I hardly wear some of these and some of them I'm only keeping for that sentimental value for that reason because somebody gave them to me and I felt like I need to or because I wore it uh, to you know this event, and I feel like I need to need to keep it for that reason. Um, and and she talks about that maybe the only purpose of that shirt or that sweater that somebody gave you uh, was for them to give it to you and for the act mm-hmm. of giving. And it's not necessarily for for you to wear it. You know, obviously they want you to wear it, but if you're not going to wear it, then there's no point in keeping it. So if you can just accept that that the whole purpose of that sweater was for the joy of them giving it to you and for the joy of you receiving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to accept that and then, okay, now, now it's served its purpose. You can let it go. Right. Um, that was incredibly freeing for me. And it's and that, again, that sounds a little cheesy, but for, it was incredibly freeing and it has, it has felt so good to get rid of some of these things that almost make me feel guilty because I don't ever wear it. Every time I right. see that sweater, right. it almost makes you feel a little guilty. Cause I'm like, man, I haven't worn that in a long time. Yeah. When in fact that ever. sweater was unhappy this whole time too, that you weren't using it. Yeah. And now it's someone, right. It's now like, it's like Toy it. Story. It's like a living thing. You think of them as living things. Right. And, and yeah. now, yeah. And now it is somewhere else giving joy to someone. And maybe. it had, you know, and, and so she talks about, um, maybe we're getting too far into her actual methods. I don't think so. I think, okay. whatever. 
She talks about she talks about um, when you when you when you give something away, thanking it and uh, <laughs> like appreciating okay. it. I don't do that part. I you know that is awesome. I've totally enjoyed. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I have totally enjoyed doing that, and and it it has. Are you going to dedicate a mile of your upcoming hundred miler? Maybe maybe a different item. Each shirt. Okay. (laughs) No, like so. So this past weekend we did um, like all sporting equipment and like camping equipment and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and there were a lot of things that I have really fond memories of using that I don't use anymore. I've upgraded or you have uh, a whole bunch of like stuff that that would be a whole category. Like camping equipment? Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, first that was like too tense, but no. But no, I, I mean, could, I could see that. Tons, tons of like backpacks and stuff that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that my, my very first backpacking backpack and things like that. Um, and I've really fond memories of these things, and and I just never really wanted to get rid of them because I always came up with an excuse of why I needed it or or why I wanted to keep it. Um, but by by thinking it and kind of thinking back on the, the fond memories that I had. And then thinking of, of what it could do for someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and how much better it could be served or it could, it could be used uh, by other people. I don't know. That was a very powerful thing. Yeah. I think I think it, it's silly to imagine these, you know, ob- inanimate objects as having preferences and, and you know, personalities. But, but it's like a useful model, right? When you start thinking of things that way, suddenly it helps you to just get rid of them and not feel badly about it. So right. I think it's really useful. Um there was a lot more. Okay, so like the other few things, I guess what what distinguishes this from most of what you've read online, like Leo from Zen Habits does does a lot of this stuff, and and I tried lots of decluttering approaches and and had some success, um, but you know he's this is one situation where she is all about not the small steps approach. She mm-hmm. over and over says if you can do this in one marathon session, and it was never really clear whether that meant literally one day you do your entire house or you just kind of make this your focus until it until you're done. Right. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever done that. Instead of like, I'm just going to, it used to be, I would spend 15 minutes in a certain spot and work outward from there and say, I'm going to try to spend 15 minutes every day just working outward from this sanctuary of, of minimalism. Instead, this was, I spent the first four days of the year, like not, not the entire day, but a few days was a good, you know, four to six hours put in. Mm -hmm. And she says, if you do it all at once, and this is the same argument, by the way, that, that the people who tell you to go vegan all at once give. Is that when you make this drastic of a change all at once, the impact on your life is so great that you really feel it and you never want to go back. And that's what, like when we had Rip Esselstyn on the podcast a long time ago now, he made that argument. He said when people just drastically change their diet, within two, three weeks, they're feeling the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that my problem with it is that you don't always feel them that fast and you might feel much more Worse. pain first, <laughs> right? Because it's just a, such a different thing. Sure. But, um, you know, this, this doesn't obviously have those physical implications, but, um, it's, it's stuck like that. Like I'm, I'm not very good at sticking with things. I'm good at starting new things and trying new things and diving into something. And then, you know, three months later, there's no real sign that I actually, that that was ever part of my life. Cause I've just forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. This is one time I've actually made something stick. And like, you know, now and then I need a little go through again and tidy up, but it has actually lasted and I think it was because it was just all at once. It wasn't small stuff. Because when you, when you try to change a little part, you know, declutter one room, I just feel like there's this energy of the rest of your life and that clutter just kind of creeps back in really easily before you've yeah. gotten to the point where you're like, now it feels like you truly have decluttered your stuff. Right. So. Yeah, we haven't really been following that. Um, we, we've we been doing kind of a major thing every weekend for, I mean, we've only been doing it for a couple of weeks. But, um, mm-hmm. but taking that in or taking 
somewhat that approach is that we've gone for big things that have a big impact and you can feel across the across the house or right. at least you know, across several rooms um and and i think that that's the same way is is it it feels totally different now even though we've only been doing it a few you know done a few projects um you can feel that through across the entire house and that that energy does change and um, and that's motivating and that's inspiring. And that's what, kind of what's hooked us, both of us, and we're excited to keep... And that, that energy is what she means when she says life-changing magic. Because it's not just about that your space, that you can find things more easily or that you have more room. Right. It, the idea is that once you do this, you know, you be, you're in a space to be more creative or just, you know, be more focused and, and just not have all these thousands of things taking up little tiny bits of mental space mm-hmm. um, because you've got to wade through them or because to... to get a task accomplished you've got to first move five different objects to get to this thing so that's a a very real thing i think it's probably hard to maybe you can imagine it but anyone you know if you've ever sat in a room that you've just cleaned up your bedroom when you were a kid what it feels like to sit in that brand new clean room it's just like this magical kind of feeling right so and that's that's what it is and it sounds like you and i have both felt that exact thing um by the way we mentioned I mean, I mentioned how many hours it would take, and people might be wondering, like, how can that take long? You could just you could just look in your closet in your drawer and, and grab the five things that you're going to get rid of. But what her what her method is about is you you take everything out from every closet, every nook and cranny, and you put that whole category of stuff in one big place. And, right. and for me, it was on the bed. And I mean, my son on this, he was like, he he said, why why is today this day? Like he asked, me, <laughs> and I, it like occurred to me that this this now in his memory is a day that we had. We're like. All the stuff was out. I was, I was like, "Well, because it's New Year's, and we're, I'm doing this new thing." But like, everything was out, and and it's amazing the size of that pile. Just talking about clothes right now, and then how much of that ends up in in trash bags to go to the Goodwill or wherever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, a ton of stuff that you that you move out when you actually do this. Whereas if you just glance in your closet and you glance at your running shoes pile and you say, "Well, I'm going to donate these two, or I'm going to pull this out," you skip all these things that you're just not even seeing anymore because they're just there and you assume like in your brain they are now default items that must stay in your closet because yeah. you've filed them away as this is a sentimental item that I can't get rid of. Once you actually put it all out there and you make some of these tough decisions, you start to pick up some momentum. And she even gives you uh, an order to do these things. And I don't know if you guys, I think you said you're not really doing this, but I followed this to the letter where she said, you start with, and I don't even remember, I think it's your clothes first. Mm-hmm. Start with your clothes, then do books, then do something else miscellaneous items and then eventually you get to sentimental type personal items uh and this was like all the things our kids have made or holding especially has made in school like little cards and things were like we need them but we don't need his his five thousand art drawings he's done you know like we need a couple of those or we need to take pictures of some of those we don't need every single one right but to get up to the point of throwing away that stuff it's really helpful to have built the momentum by Mm -hmm. she says starting with the easy stuff and clothes apparently are the easiest thing to do Books are books are something that I've had forever and it always has been kind of my sticking point with these processes where I just I say like, well, I'm just kind of a books person. I need to have this shelf full of books. But, you know, I, I was able to reduce a lot and then going from there to the next and then you just you get used to making these decisions. And as you kind of build that decision making muscle, you can then by the end you're ready to address the items that are really hard and that have always just been the default, like these have to stay in my house because they're personal sentimental items. Yeah. So very, and, very powerful. And now it, it, even it, just in the, the things that we've done and we haven't gotten to the sentimental items yet, it is certainly getting easier to, to throw, you know, or, you know, to donate things and, and put things in the, in the get rid of pile. Right. Um, than it was at the beginning, you know, and, and, you know, I think that that's just kind of a change in perspective as you, as you do it more, but then also 
as you start feeling that that freedom or you know that that reward from from cleaning out an entire closet um, mm-hmm. you know it makes it easier to, it's i don't know addicting and you want to kind of catch on to it yeah there i know a lot of people and i've had this issue before there's there's a question in your mind when you're getting rid of stuff there's this what if i need this in the future like like mm-hmm. there's a there's a 1% chance that i'm going to need this item again in the future right and unfortunately for most people and for me really until i fully dove into this that always meant, well, then I should keep it just in case. And what I discovered, I don't think this was through the book. I think I just sort of came to this as kind of a statistics-minded person, um, was that you accept that, who knows, some tiny percent of the objects you throw out, you will need to buy again or put an effort in to go get another thing. And you'll feel a little bit silly because you'll say, well, that's silly that I have to buy this book again because I just threw it out four months ago. But let's let's imagine you have to spend a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars replacing things, which is a, I think a, a a lot of money to be replacing. Like I haven't spent, I, I I think there's a few books maybe that I've wanted again uh, after throwing them out. But if 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 that's all a really nice empty space costs you is is one or two hundred dollars or something to replace items that you that you mistakenly threw away, that's totally worth it. Like like to have a really nice space to me is worth it. So I think you for me it helped to accept that. A few of these things, if there's a if there's a one percent chance I'm going to need something again, that's not a reason to keep it. Right. That's still you can still throw it away. If you have to end up spending money on a tiny percent of this stuff again, that's that's more than worth it to have had a nice space. And I think that for me anyway, the the act of collecting all those things together in one space um, highlighted how many of those things I was keeping for that one percent reason. So I mean, running right. shoes are a perfect example is I, I don't like to throw out running shoes because I like having a variety of running shoes and I like different running shoes for different terrain and different conditions and, and so forth and so on. And I had running shoes under my bed, in my in my bedroom closet, in our hallway closet, and you know, right by the door. And it wasn't until I pulled them all together that I realized I had 19 pairs of running shoes and actually we found three more in our camping supplies this, this past week. And so it was 22 pairs of running shoes in the house. And no one needs that many running shoes. I mean... You know, but I was keeping them for that one percent reason, or because I ran, wore them in this particular race and didn't want to get rid of them. Uh, and that was silly. But when they were all piled next to each other, I was like, "This is ridiculous! You know, this is, I can't believe <laughs> right. I moved all these running shoes." <laughs> yeah. right. Um, right. And uh, and and then I could let them go. So you mentioned that you haven't yet gotten to the sentimental stuff, and you're you're a sentimental guy. I am. You're one of the more man. sentimental guys that I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you are. Yeah, you have, you have lots of stories of sentimentality, right? You you dedicated race miles sure, to people. Yeah. You've you've shed tears in races. Mm-hmm. Lots lots of sentiment coming from Doug. Um, I just appreciate people, and Matt, I appreciate you. Okay, I like it, Doug. <laughs> I appreciate you too. Uh, um, what about though your racing medals? And yeah, bibs? you know, I've been thinking about that. You haven't gotten to that yet, though. That's in sentimental items, not yet addressed. That's in sentimental items, not yet addressed. They're they're hey right now they're hanging in my office on one of those metal mm-hmm. rack things, um, and you know this is kind of this is kind of something that I've I'm struggling with in general is um, the things that I think of kind of being part of the decor, and this comes to books too. We we actually haven't done books. Right. I mean, books we kind of skipped over books, and we're going have to go back to it. It's like I like a full bookshelf. I like the way it looks. I like the way it feels in a room, um, but you don't need all those books and. Of course, and, and lots of them I either read once several years ago or haven't read and probably will never read because if right. I haven't read them by right. now. 
Um, and medals are kind of the same way as like they're, they're in the office. They feel good next to my desk. Um, but you know, a lot of them don't bring joy. A lot of the individual medals, you know, I could care less about. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not to that point yet. And, and I, I don't know. That's something that, how to, how did you handle so, that kind of thing? With the books thing, I had that same issue. And that was when I was doing like this minimalist little thing I did before, books were always my bad thing, where I have these books. And I felt bad about that. And I always just said, well, I'm, I'm a books person. I've got all these books. The Spark Joy thing was really useful for me with the book thing. Because mm-hmm. then, I, then I could have it in my room. I could know that I wasn't going to read it again. But because I had such good memories of reading that book, then to me that made sense as decor in my room, right? It, it just just because I can look up at the shelf and see a books, be up see a book, and even if like it's not triggering all the ideas for me about that book, but just if it is a nice memory, and it brings me that joy, then then it is worth keeping. So I I had a lot of books that I had read once and said I'm getting rid of this because I my default used to be you keep a you keep it almost like as a trophy, a book you read and you put it on your shelf. Right. I got rid of that, but the ones that I really loved, even if I had no plan to revisit them. I just kept those because I, I like to look up in the middle of the day and see those books. They're inspiring to see those things and be reminded of all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's how I did that. Uh, medals, I actually still have up in my attic. I have like a literally one little stack of drawer-like things, like clear plastic college-style drawers mm-hmm. that we've kind of just been dumping junk in. And that I haven't actually gotten to. Yeah, um, it's It's sort of not really part of my consciousness is just a way so it doesn't right. bug me but i should like really for completeness go through there and, and get that out but that's where the metals are uh did I you think put the metals in there after cleaning up or is that where you've always i put them in there some in some previous cleaning up thing where like i couldn't quite get rid of them maybe it was the maybe box and this is a good idea but i don't think she's into it but where if you've got a bunch of stuff that you're if you're sort of new at this and you're really hesitant to give up stuff put it in a box that is called the maybe box move that box tape it shut put it out in the garage or somewhere else and if you find after six months or three months or whatever amount of time you decide that you haven't gone back there, or or maybe you have and just gotten a few things out, anything that's still in that maybe box and hasn't been dug out, mm-hmm. then it's time to get rid of it. So it can kind of be like a holding area. Um, so I think that's maybe with this one, I move these things into this little thing out of, out of because they used to be hanging up everywhere, just like saying, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I another really good trick I learned from the minimalist types is you can take pictures of stuff. So what I did was put medals on, on my kids and let them fool around with them, and they love playing with them for a little while, but then they don't care anymore, <laughs> and took pictures of the medals on them. Uh-huh. Took pictures, So, like, we have memories of that. So I won't have any problem getting rid of medals. I'll probably keep my 100-miler medal. I'll probably keep my Boston Marathon, maybe the qualifying one, because those, to me, are really meaningful, and I could see they myself hanging those up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh-huh. But the rest, I don't really need. You know, it just... And I think with running stuff, it's so easy to hang on to it. Like, race shirts that we get. Yeah. It's just... Even when they don't bring you joy at all. You just keep them because this is their like your reward. You can't get rid of that. And you right. ran the race. You got the t-shirt. But I, I don't know. I think you <laughs> you, ran, you ran the Marine Corps marathon, right? Yes. You know the the race shirts. They're oh, not. That's a terrible. They're like shirt. turtleneck okay. shirts. The, yeah. um, <laughs> you keeping that the, one? the ugliest shirts. <laughs> yeah, but I carried around <laughs> my very first Marine Corps marathon shirt because I had two of them. I got rid of the second one right away. But the that first <laughs> one I carried. I moved it with me. Was here. that your first marathon? And a second marathon, okay. but but still, it was like my my first marathon was was somewhat of a disaster. I feel it was like the marathon I was more proud of, um, right? And I I never once put that thing on <laughs> except <laughs> for maybe all. that day because it is so ugly. I and didn't it, realize it was year to year they gave the same thing. I oh yeah, it was just every one year time. it's a different color, but it's always that, uh, that mock turtleneck. Um, yeah. So and I mean, there's lots of stuff like that. There's just tons of technical shirts. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've got a bunch of Runners World shirts from these events that they just don't look very nice, and I just kept them because it was like, hey, I went to Runners World, I was their guest at their uh-huh. event, you know, I have to keep that. So I got rid of that. Um, yeah, running stuff. Very my running bag was loaded with with stuff that I got rid of, like gels and things that were old, and I was just kept keeping them, thinking mm-hmm. maybe I'll eat this one day. Yeah, very very easy to accumulate running stuff for sure. Um, you mentioned that you you were maybe have already done by the time this goes live a blog post about relating all this stuff right to running yeah and people can go check that out if they'd like they can go check it out at, at rockergrunner.com and it will go live the same day as this so if you if you're listening to this early thursday morning if you're one of the first listeners then it's probably not live yet but um and what's is there a big idea you can share from that post or is it just about all this running junk that you've kept like your marine corps shirt well it's it's less about actual physical things and more about cleaning out your training and uh and the mental side of of getting rid of the the aspects of running and training that that aren't bringing you joy so like uh, yeah so that's kind of what it's about good rockstarrunner.com yeah thanks for thanks for the plug you're very welcome i appreciate you uh so in my in my uh (laughs) in my my very brief research before we started this podcast episode uh i googled the name of this book and just to see what came up. And I found a Google talk by Marie. Mm. Uh, if you go to youtube.com, not youtubes.com, but youtube.com. Um, and just Google Marie Kondo, M A R I E K O N D O or life changing magic of tidying up. You'll probably find her Google talk. I haven't watched it, but it's 42 minutes. I would imagine it's a pretty, you know, nice summary of the ideas in the book. Also, there's a whole bunch more. This may be of interest to you, Doug. That so she talks about like her folding method, which is which is interesting. It's a different method than I've ever used, and I've I've done it. And I, I switched all my clothes over to this method, and my drawer is like beautiful when I open it up and See, look I at it. I don't like it. You don't like what the folding method? Have you Googled it though, or are you just following her instructions in the book? In the book. So you got to go on YouTube and watch her do it. So uh, all all the method all the you, you think I'm doing it wrong? Is that what you think? I don't really know. I just couldn't. I I was doing it wrong until I watched the videos. I okay. had to go back and refold all my shirts because I was not doing it correct. It's hard to describe how to fold a shirt, and mm-hmm. I don't remember if there were pictures in the book or not. But it was, I don't know. But anyway, so you can you can go to YouTube and you can find her folding method and all. You know, there's all there's there's lots of techniques like how do you organize a kitchen drawer? How do you do like there's lots of these things, and I don't think too many of them made it into the book. But she has methods for all these different things you can do. Um, so if, if you're interested, it's worth doing it. You can even get the full audiobook, it looks like, on YouTube. I don't know if that's legal or not, but they, <laughs> like many other audiobooks, it's there in its entirety. Um, so anyway, lots of resources on, on the YouTubes, if that uh, interests you. Anything else uh, to say about, about this, Doug, that would perhaps tie it back into running and food? <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't have to. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that in some ways we've, we've mentioned the running connections already. Well, I mean, the only thing, other thing I would say is when this didn't motivate me at all going into it and and before when you talked about it really and and like I said, when when Katie got it, I wasn't into it. Tidying up is just one of those things that I don't feel like I really need to do, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as there's not just stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's not fun and it's something that I could easily put off and easily justify putting off. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's sometimes those things, those things that are really hard and really unmoding are the things that end up having the biggest impact. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has to do with that. Sometimes that's with your diet and sometimes it's with running, whether, or, or tidying up some, uh, those things that, that you keep putting off that, you know, you probably should do, but you keep putting off lots of times. If you just bite the bullet and do it, 
then you're going to, you know, it could be life changing. It could be yeah. magic. Which, which in the episode we just recorded that actually won't go live until after this one, <laughs> we talked about racing and we said, you may be someone who doesn't really have any desire to race, but that quite possibly it's still a really worthwhile endeavor to just go do it and see what happens because potentially it's life changing. And that's what it was for me. I didn't really have any desire to even run, but then I just said, I'm going to do a race for the fun of it. And like for the sense of accomplishing one race, it turned out to, to, you know, be the beginning of a long road. So, um, there are lots of things like that. And I think that's a that's a very good point. That it's it, it might not seem that interesting, but but if if you've got at all of an inkling of interest in it, then then hopefully this will be the push to, you know, at least having given a resource to uh, to check out to go further with it. Yeah. All right, that is good. Um, do, do, do. Oh, here we go. Doug's did you know? I know that sound. <laughs> that sound. You know that it's time for Doug's did you <laughs> know? Doug's did you know? Uh, this has nothing to do with the topic okay. of today. I thought um, we can tie it in somehow. <laughs> Uh, except that we mentioned coffee earlier. It has to do with coffee. Hey, there we go. Did you know, I just learned this last week, that there is something called nitro coffee, just like a nitro stout or a, a nitro yeah. beer. They now are making cold pressed cold brew, cold, cold brew coffee uh-huh. uh, and putting it on a nitro line. Wow. Like you would with, with beer and you have a, a tap, you know, just uh, you, it's on draft, a coffee on draft with a nitro line. It comes out, it's, just like uh, nitro beer, where it has, you know, all the nitro bubbles, is creamy and, and. For those who don't know, nitro beer would be like Guinness, which of course isn't vegan, but is going to be soon. Uh, you know how it looks different in, in a in a bar in, yep. in the glass. It's a different than the other beers. It's creamier looking. That's mm-hmm. not because of the Guinness. It's because it's on a nitro tap, and right. and that's what that that's what it does. And you can put other beers on nitro too that turn out to be really good. Yeah. I mean, I've had nitro IPAs and nitro old Chub nitro from Oscar Blues. Old Chub nitro, delicious. delicious yep. So yeah, so it's this new thing that that started in Austin, but apparently it's making its way around because a friend of mine went to an office building in Ithaca, New York, and they had a, a nitro wow. coffee thing at their office. Um, that's, and, I would like to try that. And they're canning it and stuff. And and I think so it the, becomes carbonated then, like a beer, right? Because that's what the nitro yeah, is, right? But 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 not like, um, I mean, but the carbonation in a nitro beer right. is, is different. Yep, or different uh, and and lower. Um, Hmm. But it does, it's creamier, so you don't need, you know, for people who might put some sort of um, milk, cream or milk right. or something, right. in, you don't need that. And I guess it's supposed to be a little less bitter, so you don't need the sugar and stuff like that. It sounds totally I like delicious. it. It does sound, it sounds to me like I, you would drink a whole pint of it, though, and be kind of in danger. I guess a pint is 16 ounces. That's not that different from what you have there in front of you, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think that's uh, <laughs> it, just, it, sounds, it just seems more chuggable somehow if it's, in a, uh. if it's in a nitro form, but who knows? Interesting. Good. Did you know? I like that. And yeah. does it come with added health benefits or anything? No, no, just, uh, just this is something that I didn't know existed and now I do know it. And there so I go. wanted to share it with everyone else. Yep. And by asking if they knew about it. <laughs> did you know? There it is. Do, okay. Do, do. We'll see. We'll see what the response is. <laughs> if the servers crash, we'll know that keep doing Doug's did you know to let us know if you like it. We, I mean, a surprising number of people, meaning like three, have, have asked where it went. So uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by that. But So we're not going to have one for next episode because we've already recorded it. Right. But we will maybe. have one for the next, maybe. If people like it. If people like it. Unless there's a backlash or something. Yeah, maybe people hate it. <laughs> maybe. Yikes. Okay, well... You listeners have some tidying up to do, so get get on that. Marie Kondo, life-changing magic of 
tidying up. You heard it here first before it was the number one New York Times bestseller. <laughs> we were really early on this one. Uh, not really, because it came out in 2014, so we were somewhat late on this one. But we're fans. My dad and sister read this, too. My, my whole Three of my family members read this independently without realizing each other was reading it. Oh, yeah? Did Fun they fact, do it? Matt's Did You Know. Uh, I think they've been inspired by it. I don't know if they've actually done it. Mm. But anyway. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, soon with more excitement and goodness. That's right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.